This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, most people run from tornadoes, not storm chasers. Braden Morriso with Prairie Storm Chasers tells us what it's like to drive into a storm and why he does it. Yes, he wears a helmet and he shares his tips on how to stay safe during extreme storms. If you check out our Facebook page, don't forget as you listen to this, you can also see some of his photos too. There is a 100% chance of trivia on the Extreme Weather Edition of Game Showy with Kelsey Campbell as she joins me to battle it out. And are you okay with pie and trolls? It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Canada Day, there was a really big tornado and it like it wasn't a huge tornado but it was also a huge tornado when tornadoes happen in places that people aren't we sort of lose size context when they go across a farmer's field eh it's a tornado when it's next to a tractor oh it's a big tornado right context and it's amazing experience the tornado this particular past weekend went in between my parents and my ex-wife's places. And I used to live in Carstairs. My parents do live in Didsbury. My kids, um, you know, my daughter lives with me here in Airdrie all the time, which is about 25, 30 minutes away. And my son was away. So all of this worked out really nicely for me. Did not work out nicely for everybody. We wanted to learn about the weird people. See, most of us, if we're smart, we'll run away from a tornado. If we're, you know, in a pinch and we need to be safe, we'll run to the basement in a tornado, which did happen in this particular case. And I believe, I believe it saved a lady's life because she needed to be rescued out of the basement, but it, she was rescued and alive. And then there's this small group of really weird folks that go, you know what? I'm going to drive at it. And that's where we welcome in Braden. Braden Morriso is a storm chaser. This is what you do. You work in the winter at another job so you can do this job in the summer. And that's amazing. Braden's in Cochrane, Alberta at the moment. Uh, hey, man, how are you? Good. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Um, so, yeah, dude, um, I, do you wear a helmet, really? Are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, actually, for the duration of this chase, we wore a helmet because we were getting uh, anywhere from golf ball to straight baseball-sized hail while we were chasing wow. this storm. Wow. Okay. Um, I guess let's start there. Why do you go into it? And then we got to talk about vehicles after that, of course. For sure. Um, so one of the major reasons we're out there is to provide that ground truth to the public, uh, Environment Canada, because they can only see so far above the surface with their, their radar, right? So they can make an educated guess, hey, this storm could be producing a tornado, but we're there to provide that ground truth. So get relay those warnings through uh, different platforms, social media platforms, uh, a phone call to the Environment Canada office, whatever, whatever that may be. To provide that ground truth to let them know hey yes a tornado is occurring or severe weather in any form is occurring to get those watches and those warnings issued for these storms so where does that land for you maybe it's both but um does it land in the world of guardian of safety nerd of weather or fan of the awe like where or maybe all of the above maybe a, li a little bit of all of the above but definitely a fan of the awe i'd have to put a lot of my eggs in that basket it's definitely a special moment in the sense that all the things that lead up to these moments uh, where these storms produce what they did, for example, the other day, and not even in that instance, not even like to experience a tornado, just to experience these storms in general, 
I think is such a special experience that you work your way up to that day. Like you're watching the forecast a few days in advance and then you're there and it's happening in front of you. And it's a moment that will never, ever be the same again. So you're, you're experiencing something that nobody's going to see exactly that same moment ever again. And I think that's really special. Uh, it is special. Now we've been talking here on the on the shift about Canada actually has the second most tornadoes, a number that we really didn't even know or don't know because Canada's so big and you know people are moving to places where tornadoes might have been happening for centuries, um, and now we're moving to these places, so we're starting to see them more. I.e., the world gets smaller with the internet. Um, so there really seems to be a bit of an untapped education in all of this, just in general about weather, because, you know, we, there, there's elements of weather, which we know are very reasonable and reporting on weather, and there's uh, stable elements over time. And then there's these inflammatory um, agenda elements. And there, you know, there's, there's truth in all of it, right? Like it all comes from a place of curiosity, and we need to learn more about it. We wish we could control it and all of that. But there is, this is such a drop in the bucket of what we know in Canada about tornadoes versus what's truly going on in places that we just aren't. Absolutely. And uh, social media has played a huge role in bringing that about of knowing that there's such a vast amount of severe weather across the prairies that otherwise, like you mentioned, would go unnoticed, right? So just sharing that with the public and people noticing it more throughout social media has been a huge change to that industry. So, okay, tell me about this, Braden. I mean, you're a storm chaser. You're driving into the storms. Let's talk about the vehicle because you said at the beginning here that you, know, you wore a helmet, there was big hail, all of that. I'm assuming you don't take your Civic. Uh, I mean, you're sitting in a Jeep right now with a looks like a, one of the newer Jeeps with a plastic top. So I'm assuming this one doesn't go into uh, these, uh, these storms because it looks like a nice car. Um, is- what do you do? This is actually my uh, no. vehicle that I made. It says, you don't I, I drive that. That's too nice. You're crazy. <laughs> it's, it's my office, my office space. Hence why we're doing the interview in here. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. That's a really yeah. nice looking car. I wish I could have like, oh, this is my throwaway car. <laughs> For sure. So the exterior of the vehicle is actually coated in Linux truck bedding. Okay. So yeah. Linux out of Calgary coated the whole vehicle. Uh, so that protects us against those hailstones to, to an extent. So we were actually the, the August 1st storm last year that broke the record for Canada's largest hailstone, originally set in 1973. Wow. Uh, we were in that storm, and we have a couple shallow dents, but nothing compared to what you would have in a normal vehicle. And then uh-huh. we also have a an exterior uh, rack that's also Linux, uh, and then it houses our Campbell Scientific uh, weather stations. So that gives us our uh, real-time updates. We can we get it displayed on an iPad in the vehicle here, and that gives us wind speed, uh, temperature, humidity, dew point, and pressure, uh, all real-time and logged data. Wow. You realize you're driving a toaster, right? Like, shouldn't you drive something a little more aerodynamic <laughs> so the storm goes Absolutely. over top of you? I think uh, maybe subconsciously in the movie Twister when they're driving yeah. the Jeep, maybe yeah. that's what pushed me to want to get a Jeep. I'm not sure. That makes sense. It's a nice car. <laughs> I do like them. I did have one at one point. They're quite nice. Um, yeah. Okay, so, but the, okay, simple question. Maybe this is too simple. Jeeps, since we're talking about cars, Windshields on Jeeps never don't have a crack in them, especially in Alberta. Um, most cars in Alberta, the windshields always have a crack because of the, the rocks in the road. But um, like, is, is that a concern? Oh, look at that windshield. He's showing me on the video. So is that all hailstone stuff? That is all hailstone stuff. <laughs> so um, do you protect that too? Or is that just a, you're just rolling the dice and you replace it and your insurance company hates you? 
Yeah, typically just roll with the dice, but um, I do have a quarter-inch polycarbonate coming up from the States, so I'm excited to install that because then we can take a hammer to it and it'll be fine. Oh, wow. Hey, So is that you have to kind of grow it bit by bit and, and unfortunately learn as, learn as you grow dense? For sure. But at the same time, it's so vertical, the windshield, that a lot of the times, unless you're getting wind-driven hail, you don't get any to the windshield. So that's that's a nice little ad there. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so walk us through the day of a storm chaser. Let's start with, you know, Braden gets up in the morning and you're checking out the weather. You've probably already looked at the long-term forecast, so you can tell humidity, barometric pressure. Um, you can tell where the ridges are, where there's cold air. You can start to tell where things are getting a little bit more probable. So sure. um, assuming that's already happened, um, the alarm goes off, beep, 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 Braden. T- let's walk through your day. For sure. So we wake up and we like typically we like to get into position depending on where we're setting up, whether that be here in Alberta or heading down into the States or across the prairies here. We try to get into position as close as we can um, the night before. And then at that point, it's like trying to figure out where the first bubble will break the surface in a boiling pot of water think of it that way right Mm -hmm. so we we start by looking at a a visual satellite or a satellite imagery to kind of get an idea a cloud cover uh, what the observations are saying for temperature and dew point and then we set up where we believe that those storms are going to form and we get into position to observe those storms forming and then from there we watch and see if one of them can take advantage of the environment that could help them become what we call supercell thunderstorms. And so what makes those special are that they contain this thing called the mesocyclone, and that's a deep rotating updraft. So that's turning with height. So picture at the surface here in the foothills, we're on, for example, on Saturday, we were getting southeasterly winds feeding in from um, the southeast, correct? And mm-hmm. uh, we're getting, those, those, those winds are extremely moist, and that's what's gonna feed our storms. And as you get higher in the atmosphere, you have southwesterly winds aloft, and those, that turning with height creates this wind shear that gives us that mesocyclone for these storms. And what that's what makes these storms so special is they contain this deep rotating updraft, allowing them to sustain for a really long period of time and in so produce large hail, strong winds, and sometimes tornadoes. But only 10% of those supercells produce tornadoes. Okay. So, I mean, we have some weather basics here. Um, hail usually comes from not falling from the sky, but falling down, going up, falling down, going up, falling down, going up. And those little stones are kind of like a tree. They have rings of trips on them from melting and, and freezing and melting and freezing. I remember that from when I took my pilot's license. They also <laughs> stay, stay away from cumulus fractus. That's another thing that they tell you. Um, so, but is that, that cyclone updraft that you're talking about with that wind shear, is that the same as when we see those thunderheads or those big towering thunderheads that get all the way up to the jet stream? Because when we look at those clouds, people who, who will recognize it, I hope if I describe it properly. So you have a cloud, like it's a, it's a warm day, and then you have a cloud that starts to go up. And then it kind of goes up and up and up and up. And sometimes it tips over like Dr. Seuss's hat, but they go up and up and up. And then they usually get to a point where they get the jet stream and then they just, they're gone because the wind is different. Is that thunderhead the same as this cyclone updraft or is that different? Yeah, that would, that would be the same. That, that, would, that would most likely be a supercell thunderstorm. And that's it. Think of them as a, as a living, breathing organism. By containing that mesocyclone, it allows it to breathe almost. So mm. it breathes in that warm, moist air brings it up that mesocyclone and vents it off. And that that's it breathing out essentially. So that's again, what makes them able to sustain for so long is that these storms could actually breathe opposed to your garden variety thunderstorms that go up 
and then they essentially choke on their rain and hail core and collapse on themselves. Okay, so you're up in the morning, you've looked at the weather, you've packed up, you've got your little sandwich, you got all the things you go. So maybe today you're going, you're parked at uh, Lloyd Minster. That's the place. Um, you're watching the weather. Lloyd Minster's not the place. Moose Jaw, that's the place. So then you you just, you up and you go, and then you start trying to get there as you th- see things form so you can anticipate it. A little bit of, uh, maybe a little uh, blackjack or bingo that you're trying to trying to do at this point. For sure, definitely a very dartboard like esque kind of situation. But if we were in Lloydminster and the target was going to be Moose Jaw, our chances of getting there would be very slim. So we'd probably be just getting a sunburn that day. <laughs> yeah, right. So lots so of sitting this, around waiting. What do you do when you wait? Yeah, it's just it's a big hurry up and wait situation. So we like to meet up with with other chasers, our friends that are in the area. Um, there's lots of we play frisbee, go for lunch. Oh, there's good. a lot of a lot of driving around. You get to see a lot of countryside, which is really special. There's a, seen all the dirt roads on the prairies down into from here to Corpus Christi. I've seen every dirt road. So that's another aspect of it is you get to travel and visit the nearest hole in the wall for a burger kind of thing too, right? So, oh, that's interesting. That could be a real blogger or, or something. Would be the uh, Storm Chasers Guide to Burger Joints, right? Totally. It's like a dating profile. I enjoy the dim glow of gas station lights. And the nearest hole in the wall, you know? Yeah. Gas station sushi. My God. Um, okay. So now you've found the storm and let's maybe go back because you were around Carstairs Didsbury for that storm, were you not? We were. Yeah. So so now let's, get, let's take it right into real life. So now you're around the storm. It's starting to unfold. This one came quick. I mean, the alerts came quick from a warning, uh, excuse mm-hmm. me, yeah, into the full-on warning um, versus you know, the alerts, uh, how close were you and what did it look like? Well, we started just north of the storm, um, just before it started producing tornadoes and then we moved closer to it. Um, and at our closest point, we were 800 meters from the tornado. Wow. So you were, yeah. you were south of Didsbury, were you at that point? Yeah. yeah just, just south of Didsbury there. Uh, where were you? Just for those that are around Didsbury, we have lots of listeners there. So if you can describe, so, you know, the two way, and I don't know if it's the, um, 583 up there, is that what it is? The, um, the four way stop on top of the hill. Yeah. Um, and then down over two coolies South really is where that tornado hit. So down by Westcott, South of Westcott there. So where, um, where were you? We were just East on a range road, uh, just East of two way there. Staggering. I think, okay. I think it was two A, two A, East two A on uh, a Range Road two thirteen or something like that. Something like that. So, what yeah. did you see? What did the tornado look like? I mean, it looked like an it ugly a, bugger. Like yeah. it looked like something out of a movie. Very tall, very tall, skinny tornado. Uh, it morphed into a couple of shapes and sizes there in its initial stages. It was as a cone tornado, uh, then it grew, uh, and the, it started to get a lot of dirt wrapping around it as we got closer to it. Uh, and it started to expand a little bit there. And that's where it got really black looking. Yeah. And then just before QE2, it began its rope out process. And that's where think of a garden hose as you start to pinch that garden hose and you get less and less it's constricted there, but it, the same thing can happen with a tornado and it, it does it, it. We call it the rope out and it turns into like a skinny little rope. And that's what we saw just to the East there. So to your point earlier, that's when it stops breathing, I guess. Yeah, essentially. Yes. It chokes. Think of the tornado aspect of it as the atmosphere is a body of water and you're dragging your hand through the body of water. And you know how you get eddies on each side of your hand? Yeah. That's the same thing, but think of it as a front moving through the atmosphere. That's how these tornadoes form. It's it's essentially the front is moving like your hand through a body of water 
and it's condensed to this cloud and you can see the eddy on the north side is where you would have a tornado forming. So I'm assuming cameras are already set up. You've got your weather station on top of the car. Everything's all happening. So then what's next? Um, try to parse the data, sort it out. Uh, we, we just document, document everything um, and keep tabs open with Environment Canada as much as possible. So just letting them know what's happening real time so that they can continue those warnings to the east for the for the public there. Uh, so you just let them know, hey, it's roped out. It looks like it's gone. So it becomes, yeah. um, you know, the alerts start to change at that point, right? From For sure. You know, to, from a warning down, getting downgraded. Is that is that how we hear about it? Is that that point? Absolutely. And then we monitor the storm to see, hey, is it going to do it again? Because, for example, on Saturday there, the storm, as it moved east of, the, of Highway 2, uh, it did look briefly like it was going to try to produce again. Thankfully, it didn't. Huh. Fascinating. What's the biggest, ugliest one you've seen? That's uh, there's been a lot. I've seen over 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 300 tornadoes now. Really? Eh? So, yeah, I, I'd have huh. to say my my top tornado would be uh, Tilson, Manitoba, in 2015, July 27th, and uh, it was a massive tornado. We actually were in another vehicle for it uh, called the Dominator, and it's a it was an F350 that was stripped stripped down, and it's a 12 gauge steel or 16 gauge steel, and then 10 layers of Kevlar in the doors, and it drops flush to the ground, and we could get right into a tornado with that that hmm. vehicle so wow. we chase all all around that tornado with that is that uh when you guys are playing frisbee all the storm chasers y'all brag about how cool your car is is that really what's happening <laughs> no, but it's a good it's a good conversation piece with locals that come in and check out the vehicle and we say hey there could be severe storms later today because typically the day starts out just blue sky hot sunny right and then we that's what's creating our unstable air mass so it's a good conversation piece for locals when they come by and say hey what are you guys doing here? And we tell them, hey, there could be severe weather later today. Yeah, I guess when you got three or four weird looking cars with lots of antennas and things on them, people tend to go, what's happening? Exactly. Very cool. Um, okay, so what's next then? Like, how do you how do you pull this off? You just, you just keep chasing and growing and chasing and growing? Because uh, did you take a weather education in this? Or are you just, you know, you took the, the science nerd and, and it, this is an experience as you go thing? Yeah, just the experiences as you go thing. So when I was really young, I didn't do too great in school, and that was a way to get me engaged. I was really fascinated by severe weather and weather. And um, as I got older, I learned how to forecast. Um, and then when I turned 18, my parents for graduation bought me a tour down into the States with a company called Extreme Tornado Tours. And wow. there's a big tourism aspect to it down in the, in the States uh, where people from Australia or England that also have that passion for weather want to experience it and so they and they don't get that back home right so they can come over here and they put you in a van and we get close wow. to tornadoes part of that's <laughs> so, not okay though yeah <laughs> and uh the following year uh they contacted me and they said hey we saw you were really passionate about this did you want to come we're short a guide so i said oh. absolutely and i came down and i guided with them for two years uh just chasing for three months at a time during their peak season which usually runs from april to the beginning of june and then really? for us we typically see severe weather up here. Our peak season is July. So we're just in the midst of that right now. So that's fantastic. Well, your car is called the Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And emphasis um, on the TOR for tornado, essentially. Oh, very good. I like that. I saw the capital <laughs> TOR. I was like, eh, don't tell me this guy's a Leafs fan. Um, so that makes me feel better. Um, this is cool. I mean, what is there anything that, that, you know, obviously you can remind people about safety or whatever, but what do you want to leave everybody with? For sure. I'd say one of the biggest things that I always 
and we always see it so much is don't park under overpasses. It's, it's yeah. extremely dangerous. Think Again, think of the garden hose situation, right? It really constricts that space and it creates stronger wind speed underneath that overpass. Not, Not to only mention that, the traffic part problem, right? Exactly. So you're, you're putting people behind you at risk. Uh, they can't get to safety because you're blocking the road. Uh, again, it would be, it's mo- the most dangerous place you could possibly be just for, for wind speed purposes. Um, and though you're hiding from the hail, everybody else behind you can't get to safety because you're blocking them. It's just, just not a good spot to, to park. <laughs> yeah. It's a good reminder for all things because people do that in hail, right? To hide from hail. And, Absolutely. but you never know what's coming next. If there's hail, one of the things that I had read was that open your windows. So the air pressure doesn't blow up your house or get to the basement. And if you don't have a basement, get under some sort of stairs or get into a bathtub. So what is the good safety practice that we need to know about? Absolutely. And that, that is actually a myth with the windows. That that oh, is it uh, good. Body, okay, good. Clear it up. That bodies of water, uh, it, whether you live in a valley or not, all all those things are are myth. And if the environment's there for these storms to form, they'll go right down into the valley. They've happened on mountaintops in Colorado, so just definitely don't don't take that as your safety aspect and just be prepared to get in your basement if you get a warning and just monitor your weather case, conditions. And if ominous ominous skies approach, just seek shelter. More common on flatland, but possible everywhere. Fair enough to say yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> Good to know. I love this. Um, so Prairie Storm Chasers and The Predator, we're going to link to everything that you've got going on there. Okay, Braden, um, on shiftheads.ca, which is our Facebook group. So maybe some shiftheads listening right now will want to reach out and ask questions or see where you're at or, or find out where you're going. And um, I look forward can, to hopefully some conversations through the summer and share more of this because I think people are fascinated by it and I would love to learn more as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thanks for being here, bud. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. That's right. It's time for Game Showy. It's a game show on the radio. We're going to battle it out for pride and more. Our guest competitor tonight on Game Showy is... Is premature cheering from the children for Helen Hunt herself, Kelsey Campbell. Huh? Oh, you look alike. <laughs> Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, thanks, Shane. Ryan O'Donnell reporting in from the ship weather desk. And man, oh man, do I have a forecast for you tonight. We're looking at a pretty high pressure system. And when I say high pressure, I mean high stakes. It is going to be a tough game of game showy as it is the weather, the extreme weather edition of the game showy. I'm going to turn off weatherman Ryan for a second, but he'll come back. Don't worry. Uh, Here's how game showy works. If you're uh, new to this around here, our contestants pick a question and difficulty of said question. Now, as we are talking about the weather, in Game Showy, it seems only natural that we play for umbrellas, which you're going to need for some of these questions. So one umbrella would be an easy question. Three is hard. Now, if our contestant gets it right, you'll hear this. Ella. Ella. And hey. if it's... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's going to happen a lot. If it's wrong, you'll hear this. 
A little bit more uh, in your ears, eh? Now, we have three categories to choose from for our game showy this round. We have Canadian disasters, Canadian records, and the weatherman, okay? We also have a very special question, which is the text line special. It is a question hidden in the roster that will be stumbled upon at random. One lucky contestant could win two umbrellas if you, the shift heads, are correct in your answer. So, get your phones ready if you're able to text 877-399-9898. When we find the text line special, you'll hear this. All you have to say, it's cold, it's warm, it's raining, it's snowing. That's it. That's the weather, and that's it. Here is your question, shift heads. What is the most common natural disaster in Canada? Ooh. Is it floods, forest fires, tornadoes, or heat waves? Again, the most common natural disaster in Canada, floods, forest fires, tornadoes, or heat waves? 877-399-9898. Text in your answers. And that is Game Showy. Back to you, Shane. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. I thought Kelsey was going to ask a question, so I'm going to just go with... Oh, I, yeah, I do cool. have a question. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just hurts my brain when you play a clip and I don't know where it's from. So where was that text line special from? I recognize the voice, but I don't know where it... Oh, I just need to great, know. Great question. That is Larry David screaming at Al Roker on uh, daytime television, basically saying why nobody needs to be a weatherman for 10 minutes on the screen. Tell me if it's raining, if it's snowy, if it's hot or it's cold. That's it. That's all. Okay. We prefer to be called weather specialists or meteorologists. That's true. That's true. So you do know what Kelsey's getting at. You realize that Kelsey's old job was a weather specialist, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I am aware. And, uh, maybe you <laughs> if you're looking for this. a wizard in front yeah. of a green screen, then it was actually that's a right blue there. screen, which I can blue tell screen? you really sucks when my favorite color is blue. So right. I couldn't wear any of my favorite shirts why or dresses. Blue? Everyone else is green. Edmonton, that's why. Edmonton. Well, hey, before everything's we got to be blue for the let, Oilers. Let's officially rename the weatherman category to the meteorologist. How about that? Huh? There you go. Huh? There We're changing go. a rule on Game Showy for better. In case you haven't caught on, Kelsey's Ryan's boss. And now he's just <laughs> sucking up. <laughs> Our categories are Canadian disasters, records, and the weatherman meteorologist, because that makes Kelsey smile. Bob? <laughs> Thanks, Bob. All right, Kelsey. Where are we going? You get to go first because Shane is currently on a back-to-back winning spree. Yes. Which might be the longest he's ever had. <laughs> hey, be. man, I'm winning with one in a row. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was pretty sure it was just the one. No, it was two, actually. It was, it was two. He's on two. Nice try. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, he's on two. Because you had it the one where you right. went easy on him and it bit you, and then the last time he just won. Yeah, that was stupid, and I will never do that again. Um, never. Coming never. out fierce like a hurricane i will go with um thank you ryan o'donnell big rays coming your way i will go with a meteorologist three umbrellas (laughs) for three umbrellas okay here's a question you might know the answer to this and there are people that are probably going to disagree with you but 
How accurate are Canadian weather forecasts? 30, 50, 70, or 90%. How accurate are Canadian weather forecasts? Wow. Well, I, when I first started as a weather specialist, I would always just be like, ish. <laughs> and I felt like that had me covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it's true. We're That's expecting true. it to be like minus 30-ish. Nice. Um, Very good. Science. Yeah, I Are think you? the... I think the unfortunate fact is things do change. The weather does change. Um, and I would, I'm going to have to go with about 70% of the time. Uh, you're going to be able to count on the accuracy of those, especially long-term forecasts. Mm. That is a perfect forecast. That's correct. It's 70% on average. So Jason Singh now, who was the... Thank you. Weather editor for the Washington Post called Environment Canada's seven-day forecast, quote, pretty good, pointing to its 70% success rate, which is getting better as science gets better. Uh, so, yeah, we were at about 70%, which is actually pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. Nice. I'm going to blow okay, your so mind with a, a fun fact at some point. Oh, I, yeah. loved your, I loved your mm when I got that one right. <laughs> that was mm. very dissatisfied. No, no, mm -hmm. I'm going to drop a fun fact when it feels right. Oh, I wish that I could be good 70% of the time and still get paid. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that just like good. actually gutted me. I got nothing. All right, just carry on. Move nothing. along. <laughs> all right, Shane. Okay, we'll save your fun fact for next. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, Canadian disasters for three umbrellas, please. The three umbrellas. Okay. Shane. Which of these is used to categorize hurricanes by their wind speed? The Richter hmm. scale, the Saphir Simpson scale, or the Fujita scale? The Richter scale, uh, no. Saphir Simpson scale uh, sounds like something Ryan pulled out of one of his favorite TV shows. And I know that the Fujita thing has to do with the, um, like the magnitude of the storm thing. Like the EF part, I think the F is like F U G D A. The tornado's coming, right? Like mm -hmm. something like that. So I'm I'm gonna go with Fujita scale. Fujita scale. Forget about it. That was a bit of a reach. That's incorrect, Shane. I'm sorry. Aww. Oh boy. Now Kelsey has five seconds to steal if she knows the answer. The S S S Staffer mm -hmm. Simpson scale, sir. That is correct. Yes, it is a. Uh, hey, so you might need that uh, because it's a scale of one to five rating, based uh -huh. on the hurricane's maximum sustained wind speed. So you were on the right track there, Shane. Uh, Wait, so interesting. if Kelsey is a weather person, yep. and Kelsey gets seventy percent of the points that anyone else gets on the shift game showy, yep. does that mean she still wins? Mm -hmm. um well currently she's winning by six so yes oh, ouch. <laughs> yes that sounds uh, good yeah that's good uh that one that it, one's sharp so there you go yeah so the sapphire simpson scale and which by the way the most powerful hurricane to make landfall in canada was hurricane Ginny, 1963 now a lot of people oh, will point to the recent one uh, from 2023 fiona but that was not a hurricane that was a tropical or that was a, a cyclone so different thing okay Kelsey, it's your turn, and you're up 6 nothing. This is a Ginny. big early lead. 
Oh, this go. is as destructive as a, as a tornado. I'm just going to mm. keep after it. Uh, well, let's yep. go. Canadian disasters, records, the meteorologist. I'm going records for three umbrellas. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> my teeth are out. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Newfoundland consistently breaks this record almost every single year. Newfoundland holds the record for being the most blank Drunk. on earth. Foggiest, fun, coldest, mm-hmm. wettest, or windiest place on earth. Do you know, I learned this in my time on an East Coast tour through Nova Scotia, um, oh, overlooking Nova Scotia. the Bay of Fundy. We talked about, uh, and, and you'll actually find this in Nova Scotia too in the Bay of Fundy, very, very eerily foggy, like creepy, creepy fog. It'll go from like bright sunny skies to like coming through the trees as a thick wall and it is mm. creepy. Ooh, like a movie. So I'm going with Foggy Bob. Foggy. Foggy Bottom Bob. Foggy well, Bob. You don't... Oh, what a great name for a whiskey, hey? Oh, oh can I get a Foggy, foggy Bob? Bob? Nice. Love that. <laughs> uh, well, this uh, you you don't have a foggy brain on this one because that is correct. Yes, it is the foggiest place on earth. <laughs> I have a stat here. I have a number. On average, there are about 206 foggy days per year in Newfoundland. 206. Wow. That's a lot of fog. They have a lot of fog, a Bob. Hill movie. They should go cool. up there. Whoa. Lord Tunner and Fog. So... Um, <laughs> Kelsey's winning. Can we get an update <laughs> on the score, Ryan? It is currently nine zip. Nine wow. zip, Shane. Now, okay. it's early because we've been rolling through. Uh, I'm not quite sure how. I believe, back, but... just to be clear, if my math is right, I have to get every question right in the next seven <laughs> minutes to even tie it. <laughs> That's I want this for you. I really, oh. really want oh, okay. it for you. Well, I'm going to go Canadian that. disasters for two umbrellas, right? For two. Hey. Oh, hey. well, look at you. You just stumbled on oh, the text line special. All you have to say, it's cold, it's warm, it's raining, it's snowing. That's it. That's it. That's all. 877-399-9898. This is the question for the shift heads alone. What is the most common natural disaster in Canada? The options, again, floods, forest fires, tornadoes, and heat waves. And uh, we got a lot of texts. I was expecting expecting forest fires to be the number one texted in question. But uh, that's me underestimating... The shift heads, because the the general consensus, including Nidoc Steve, Jason from Prince Albert, Miss Josie, Denise, Angel, Jasper, everybody, thank you for your texts. They text floods, and that is the correct answer. Yes, floods are the most you common natural disaster. You can hit the thing. Let's hit the thing. Nice. Well done. Rain, rain on my face. Come on, nobody. Jars of Clay, best bands, early '90s. Listen, no, no. The world is a flood. No, no, I don't. No, I missed out. There's a, uh, there's a 50 year old somewhere that just thought that was awesome. (laughs) So, (laughs) for that guy. Or gal. For that, uh, for yes, that guy. that's correct. Floods, most common. You'd think, yeah, this year, I mean, it might be forest fires, but floods on average. There you go. Uh, mm. Kelsey, y- you get to go again. 
<laughs> so the rules have not changed. You can still pick a question. Can I can I throw like a couple umbrellas Shane's way? Like this feels a oh, little sick. Can, oh, I'm I get a pity umbrella. Like, now. You want to give a pity score to Shane to make it interesting? I don't need your hand, pity umbrellas. Hand, um, I'm I'm opening all these umbrellas inside the house right now. I'm saying, wishing oh. bad luck upon myself so that this isn't a complete umbrella beating. Come on, you're burning up my catch up time. Meteorologist, please. Uh, two for, umbrellas, for Ryan two O'Donnell. Umbrellas. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So every inch of Canada deals with a severe thunderstorm at some point. So what triggers a severe thunderstorm watch? Okay. What triggers it? Wind gusts of over 90 kilometers per hour, hail of two centimeters, heavy rainfall, or all of the above. Oh, man. Um, oh, this is tough. I literally know this from my Edmonton days uh, because we get all of these things in, uh, in one in Alberta. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, true. And then and then we'll still be playing slow pitch by afternoon because it'll have moved on through. Uh, I'm going with awesome. uh, all of the above, sir. All of the wow. above. That uh, yep, that's correct. It is all of the above. So interesting. Uh, if either one of those are met, doesn't have to be all three. If either mm-hmm. one of those are met, thunderstorm watch. Just so you know. Interesting. Uh, no, I definitely know that. Uh, yeah. Hence, hence the correct uh, response. M- more and, so to the to the, added you, information you, to people who are not meteorologists. Everyone else yep. that isn't yep. everyone beating, else. The, yep. beating Shane with an umbrella right now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I hate the weather. Um, <laughs> uh, Shane, well, I think I'm going to go with uh, the only two left, which is <laughs> records, please, for two brellas, two brellies, uh, two brellies. Okay. What city in Canada holds the record for the most amount of snowfall in a single season? Hmm. St. John's, Montreal, Revelstoke, or London, Ontario? Well, I'm going with the only mountain town on that list, my friend, which is the very beautiful Revelstoke, BC. Revelstoke is very beautiful. And in 1971, they saw over 24 meters of snow. And that oh. is the correct answer. 24 meters. That's amazing. That's so much snow. Yeah. Can you um, um, <sighs> hmm, how are you feeling Come right now, now, Shane? I just want to check we're, in on your feelings. Uh, I'm feeling like we're out of time. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. Are we out of time? I feel like we, we are got out one of time. more. No. We, oh, we are out of time. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a record high. With Kelsey Campbell, we've never had this many points get scored before, which leads us to believe that maybe Kelsey should go back to Edmonton to do weather again. Thank you so much. Thanks for playing along with Game Showy, and thanks for all the texts that said jars of clay are cool with Flood, Bradley, and everyone else. Jars of clay was very good live. They played at my church in Calgary one year. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Game Showy. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, I think that was the hardest of the last on the show. Oh, <laughs> yeah, too. Uh... <laughs>
How, what was the final <laughs> score? That was three six nine eleven to four. Eleven to four. Oh, that shoot. is definitely a new record. That is a new. It was the steal. It was the three steal at the beginning that that just <sighs> yikes. Yeah. yeah. Setting well, new records. Yeah. You're a very good weather person. So I had I grabbed a couple things here that I wanted to get to that I thought were super fun. Okay. okay. So I grabbed some songs that I thought I want you to very quickly here. Like, if we had to pick a song, who does the song kind of belong to, right? So, for example, I have this song here that I sort of set aside for uh, for this one. And and I thought that, you know, okay, so Adele set fire to the rain, right? See, to me, of this panel of, you know, Shift Crew, this is a very, it's a very Ryan song, right? I kind of feel like it's a Ryan song. And as I was going through the weather songs, I realized that everybody kind of has their own sort of different uh, weather songs based on personality. And I figured this is kind of a Kelsey song. Guns N' Roses. Because she loves Edmonton and she loves dancing on speakers. I feel like this is like a very Kelsey. Right? Seems like a very Kelsey song. Any quicker build. You got it. I, I, okay. I can't. I can't. I can't shake to that. And he. Well, I also. Louder. Let's go. Well, okay then. This <laughs> is. This is definitely more of a. This is also a Kelsey song. Uh, White Zombie, Thunder Kiss, '65. I figured like there's probably a rock bar that's seen Kelsey on a speaker before, and it probably had something to do with the song. See, I feel like this is also a Kelsey song. And then, as we dig deeper and deeper and deeper into all this, we've got to find like I don't know, maybe. A, a country song that would be perfect because Kelsey loves country music. So how do we find a country song that's perfect for Kelsey and, and do that? Well, so we have this one, which is a very nice slow song by Brad Paisley. Right? Kind of emotional feeling. You know, all right, that's all right. But then I was like, this really is where it gets to Kelsey. Is right about here. Okay, that's weird because we're coworkers. Never mind. That was um, that was really <laughs> uncomfortable for everybody involved. That's right not now. what I meant. Not what I meant. But I also have a Jono <laughs> song here. I'm going to move on and pretend that didn't happen. We have a, a <laughs> we have a Jono song. Get us uh, here. out of here! What? What? Jono, hit something, anything. No, we're on good. We've got lots right of time. Now. We're fine. We're fine. I'm fine. But I, because I had to get a Jono song, I didn't want to leave Jono out. Um, there is a uh, there's a DJ Khaled song, we the best music. and it's called "Weather the Storm." See, so I figured like this is a very Jono. You know, they don't really say much. They just kind of yell at each other for a while. You know. So there you go. Everybody's weather songs. Yeah, that played Ta-da. out really nice. That really yeah, played out really nice for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just not going to look you in the in the eyes right now and uh, Ever again. not make eye contact. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? That is our phone number for you to be able to reach out to us and share your thoughts on these stories that hopefully will make you um, make you ponder just a little bit. Are you okay with? I feel like you got to say this one right. Key lime pie. Oh, 
would you like a key lime pie? I don't think I've ever had a key lime pie. That, wasn't that very good? Was that good? I don't know. What kind of voice were you going for? Were you going for like an old I don't know. It's, it's got to be like some a... sort of Floridian Southern, you know. Southern draw. I'd love to get myself a... See, yeah, my accent changed halfway through there. And it I'll did. I'll just do... Um, um, ooh, I'm, I'll do the, uh, the, the fun one. I'd love to get myself a key lime pie with a margarita on the boardwalk. There you go. <laughs> There we go. I've never had key lime pie. No idea what it tastes yeah. like. I just know it's associated with like southern cuisine, lime. It makes me um remember the um Meet the Fockers movie? Uh, yeah, I love that movie. I haven't seen it either. The ago. second one, I think it was the second one when they went down to like Florida and the 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 keys. And there was like a key lime pie thing in there. I don't know why that's what makes me think of. It's mm. weird. Anyway, um our story today actually takes us down there to the key, to the Florida Keys. What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drill. <laughs> Most people celebrate the 4th of July with hot dogs, beer, and too many fireworks in their driveway that's set off underneath your pickup truck. But that's not enough for Florida. All right. Key West, Florida celebrates Independence Day with a 4th of July Key lime pie eating contest. What better way to celebrate the fourth? 24 competitors raced to eat an entire nine-inch key lime pie smothered with whipped cream in honor of our nation's birthday. The tart dessert is the official state pie of Florida. Look at them there going after that that pie. 38-year-old Joshua Mogul took home the victory belt. The tire manufacturer from Iowa ate his pie in just under three minutes and 35 seconds. Tom and I both agree that is a waste of key lime pie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That There's a lot wrong with that story. Okay, WGN9 right there. Uh, a property done key lime pie is an amazing experience. I've never had a property done one. Thanks, Trucker Dan. <laughs> um, okay, um, experts believe key lime pie was developed in the late 1800s in Key West. Its primary ingredients are condensed milk, egg yolks, the juice of tiny yellow key limes, typically with graham cracker crust and whipped cream or meringue topping. 2006, Mm -hmm. the tart creamy dessert was designated Florida's official pie by the state legislature. And um, the competition took place less than 24 hours after the key lime pie measuring 13.14 feet, 4 meters in diameter, was submitted for certification as the world's largest, created for the Florida Keys Bicentennial Celebration. Um, A very hungry trucker Dan says a key lime pie eating contest I would dominate at. So... Okay. What I actually, I want to try. I don't know if I've ever had it. So now I'm curious. We need to look for one. But this whole tiny yellow key limes versus limes versus lemons versus limons uh, translated in different languages often gets people confused between lemons and limes, Ryan. Yes. Depending on where you go. So you have to be careful. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll never forget when I first started dating Laura, who is from Colombia, they asked if I wanted some uh, lemonade, and I said yes, and then I was shocked to see them dump an entire, uh, you know, thing of uh, of limes in a blender. Well, I mean, like, you know, with the 
juice and all that extracted first, not raw. But I was still like, uh, is that different? And no, it's just the translation is backwards. So yeah, it's, uh, but now they, you know, what's funny is they actually say, uh, today, uh, or the other week, uh, over the weekend, Laura's mom was giving me a bunch of food, which is the best. And she said, do you want a yellow lime or a green lime? Not, oh, do you want a lemon or a lime? It was, do you want a lime or a lime? <laughs> so well, yeah, that's fun. It's interesting. Oh, see, got to know these things. Got to know these things. Uh, okay. See, now I'm hungry too. Are you okay with, can you get like Uber Eats pie delivery at, at God knows what hour in the morning? 2.37 a.m.? Probably not. Um, mm. You could maybe you probably have better luck trying to get like a tortier, like you know a more savory pie delivered, which is our national pie. By the way, we don't have anything sweet. We have meat pie in Canada. That's the national mm. pie. Yeah, we need to move on. Are you okay with trolls? Trolls. Oh, I feel like. Uh, there was this age when like trolls on the internet just were everywhere and dominated and it got everybody going, you know, like if you were, if somebody was poking your, uh, your what, poking your, what's the thing? If somebody was, was agitating you online, mm-hmm. you had to respond, you know, it, mm. it, it, and it would stuck with you. Now though, I feel like most people are better at ignoring it, tuning it out, leaving it alone uh, and just uh, not giving them the time of day. Not all the time. Sometimes we still get irked, but I feel like we're better at dealing with trolls. Fair enough. Than we used to be. Yeah, I yeah. used to always defend. Everyone used to always get defensive and fight it out like they were actually going to solve something. Mm-hmm. Well, we've all heard of fairy tales, of course. We were read them in many storybooks when we were young. But you got to pay the trolls toll. Oy. You got to pay the trolls toll. You know, the ugly troll that's really kind of cute. To ca- cro- oh man, to cross the bridge. It's a tough one. Who would cross the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. Uh, the other side he see. Ask me the questions, bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. What is your name? My name is Sir Lancelot of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is your favorite color? Blue. Right, off you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, different kind of troll. Uh, now you can, by the way. There's a property up for sale in L.A. that's quite literally under a bridge. The realtor tasked with selling the property is hoping to strike a balance between an affordable starter home and a fixer-upper. The property is truly unlike anything you've ever seen because, as mentioned, the property is under a bridge. $300,000 or more, you too can be a homeowner in Southern California under a bridge. What do you think? Uh, it's pretty bizarre. I've never seen anything like this. So uh, we're just here to investigate, actually. <laughs> so are we. Listing agent Douglas Lee showed us around the unique property on Main Street in Alhambra. The idea that we had here was to turn this area into a Murphy bed. It's a 462 square foot, one bedroom, one bathroom with a rooftop deck that is street level. You walk the stairs down, and there's your 1949 waterfront property, the Alhambra Wash. The current owners bought it in 2005. The perfect man cave, they thought, 
but over the years, it became a storage unit. Lee admits it's a total fixer-upper. They know there's a $3,000 mold problem. There's a small leak in the roof. We're still trying to get that all taken care of. But in this market... There's a buyer. I've heard ideas for everything, uh, turning this into an Airbnb, using it as a law office. They wanted to do a cigar shop. Cigar shop, that's definitely the go-to under the bridge. Weird. Uh, KTLA, by the way, the home has sat vacant for the better part of 20 years. Lee said, only being used as additional storage for the owner, but when it was purchased for about 72000 in 2005, the owner had some bigger plans in mind for it. The property was also shared by the popular social media page Zillow Gone Wild, which shares bizarre and interesting real estate listings to millions of followers. Fascinating. 300000 I mean, hey, it's cheaper than Canada. It It is cheaper than Canada, but I, I just posted the link to an article up at shiftheads.ca, and you will see that it's like quite literally sitting on top of and under a dilapidated bridge. Uh, hmm. which might be a really cool home aesthetic if you lived in, like, Venice. But in a suburb of California with uh, disintegrating infrastructure, I feel like I might, I think I'd rather save the, the other $600,000 and try to buy, you know, a two-bedroom house. Hmm. Very nice. Uh, a home is a home, Ryan. A home is where your loved ones are. Oh, home is Don't where the so is. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with... Bears again, not in Jono's backyard again. Man, we have we're talking about a lot of bears. Uh, this been a lot uh, of bears this year, haven't we? Been a lot of bears. Um, Jono did post that video at shiftheads.ca by the way about the bear in his backyard, which was pretty wild. Uh, twenty twenty three seems to be the year for wild bear encounters, and by wild we mean crazy, and by crazy we mean mad. A Maine woman is recovering in hospital after she was attacked by a bear. And a woman rushed to the hospital after being bitten by a black bear. This happened today in Porter, Maine, near the woman's home. Wildlife officials say that uh, the woman heard her dog barking at the bear. She went outside to investigate, and that's when she was attacked. Now, the woman was bitten in the arm. Good news, she only had puncture wounds and will be okay. I am glad she's fine. CBS News there. But there's one thing. They left out one important piece of info. In order to defend against the bear, she punched the bear in the face. Now, I've heard this before about a shark. Punch a shark in the face, which I think is weird underwater. Like, it's got to be hard to punch things underwater. I've never really tried to punch something underwater. But I think that's a thing. And I'm going to give this lady credit. She literally punched the bear in the face. She confronted the black bear head-on after it chased her dog out of the woods. That's what the wildlife department had said. And upon that, the bear stood up. She stood up as tall as she could, then punched it in the nose. And then the bear bit her right in the hand, (laughs) puncturing her wrist. She punched it in the nose, and it went, nom, nom, nom. That's what happened. Okay, so the lesson here is don't punch the bear. Or you're going to have to, you know, have some sort of distraction, right? You're going to have to lead with the left, distract the bear, and follow up with the right. You know, you got to go to boxing. You got to know this stuff. Boxing school, something like that. One, two. One, two punches, baby. Maybe an uppercut, right? I don't know. You got to have a hook coming to follow that up because clearly um, your hand looks appetizing. The first clue is, was it chasing the dog? I mean, I don't think it's chasing the dog for fun. I think it's chasing the dog for hungry. 
Anyway, maybe the dog looked like a key lime pie. Never know. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.